0: Today is the day that you can decide like enough's enough. I'm going to take action to get myself out of that hole and pay off debt, like really check my numbers, even though it's terrifying. I know that first step for a lot of people is terrifying, just like checking your accounts or like checking your credit card statement because you know it's bad and you're like, I'd rather just like not know. But there's so much power in knowing so that you can create a plan because until you know your numbers... It's going to be really, really hard to get a good handle on your finances and really hard to create a realistic budget. And you're going to be stuck in this like paycheck to paycheck cycle or this kind of debt cycle until you can like stop it by knowing where you're at and then making changes.
1: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. In this conversation, Allie Williams shares her journey of paying off six figures of debt while still saving and living a fulfilling life. She emphasizes the importance of being intentional with finances and creating a budget that aligns with your values. Allie also provides practical tips for managing finances with kids and navigating financial inequality within a relationship. The key takeaways include tracking expenses, involving children in financial discussions, and not letting shame hold you back from taking control of your financial situation. This episode is filled with great takeaways as you financially prepare for the new year. But before we get there, I want to quickly share my minimalist moment of the week with all of you. As you know, my husband and I have recently moved. One of the best things that we did was move everything inside that we currently use or knew that we needed to store. That included things such as decorations, camping equipment, and really there's not much more down in our basement. So where did we leave everything else? Well, we happened to leave it all in our garage. This is the first time we've had a garage since we've been married, 13 years, we finally have a garage, and we haven't been able to park in it for the last two months because we left everything else out there. We refused to bring it inside until we'd gone through every last box. Well, here we are a couple months later, and it's a lot more organized than it was when we first moved in. That said, this is where my minimalist moment comes in. There was a box of my daughter's artwork out there that I knew existed, but I'd been putting off going through and decluttering. And I will say my best advice to you, if you don't know where or how to start with the sentimental items, keep coming back to them over and over do it once every couple of weeks if it takes a couple of months. It honestly may take a couple of years. I hope it doesn't but for me some of this artwork was really difficult to part ways with but I will say having gone back to it time after time I was able to get rid of probably three-fourths of what was in there. I kept a handful of very special things put them in my sentimental box put a couple in her sentimental box and I got rid of everything else. As I always say, if everything's your favorite, then nothing's your favorite. So you really have to be able to differentiate what your favorite things consist of. And I think with sentimental items for me, I will literally hold the item and think about the life of the item. Where is it going to stay? Where will it go once I'm gone? I'm not sure if it's exposure therapy or detachment, but I know that it's made it so much easier for me to get rid of things when I see how time passes and how little I actually have gone into that bin to look at her art. It just helps me be a lot more rational about what's in there. All right. And then lastly, if you have yet to leave a rating and review on iTunes, pause the episode really quick. It takes 30 seconds, but it helps the show succeed so much, especially in the law that many podcasters are in in December. This makes a huge impact and it doesn't take that much time. All right. And with that, let's get into this conversation with Allie Williams.
0: Well, Allie, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to be here and chat all things finances.
1: Absolutely. I can't wait to pick your brain a little bit more. But before we get into our conversation, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners?
0: Yeah. So I'm Allie Williams. I live in South Carolina with my husband and two little boys on a 25-acre farm. We, well, we've been here about a year, moved to our forever home. And my business is Financially Focused, spelled like, A-L-L-I. And my main goal is to help people just feel more comfortable with their finances, make money more conversational, and just realize it really isn't as overwhelming as maybe some articles, media, et cetera, make it seem and just help as many people as I can pay off debt, save, do all the things they want to do with their finances.
1: Was this something that you were doing before kids? What was your degree in or where did you get your start?
0: Yeah, so I have my MBA in finance, but it kind of started back to, I guess, when I first graduated college as a 21 year old, trying to navigate first paycheck, had a $415 car payment, had other debt I had, you know, I was trying to still live my life as a 21 year old. And I was like, there has to be more than just like paying bills for the rest of my life. And that's it. From there, just my own research, a lot of the money advice I was seeing out there was like, You have to cut everything to pay off debt, or you can't spend and save at the same time. So, for my own research, I kind of started blogging and started blogging in 2017. I actually married into six figures of debt, 154,000 to be exact. So, then my husband and I, so I became debt free at 25 as an individual. And then my husband and I then paid off six figures together while still saving and investing. And so, that's kind of my main mission is to help other people kind of do the same thing or whatever money goals they have reached. So I do have my master's in finance, but it kind of came from my own personal, I guess, I was curious about how to navigate all of this. Mm -hmm. And moving
1: to this farm, is that a big lifestyle change for you?
0: Yes. So I'm from New York originally, grew up, was born and raised in New York, went to school in South Carolina, and I've pretty much, for the most part, been in South Carolina since I graduated, minus a two-year gap in Indiana. But I always thought I'd live in some like, you know, when you're younger, but like some like neighborhood, like big fancy house, and now we're in this like farmhouse that we'll have to like fix up for the next 10, 20 years. But we lived in a two-bed, one-bath before this with two kids in a not great area, but it allowed us to save and do so much with our finances that we were able to now. We both didn't want kind of like neighbors. We have actually really nice neighbors. It's funny, but we wanted space to kind of be. So it is an adjustment, but it's so peaceful and quiet and like this is a podcast and no one can see. But you know, if you look out like my door window here, it's literally just like land. <laughs> There's nothing. It's just quiet. Man. So a lot of people see me now, or follow me now are like, Oh, wow, you know, she must be able to, you know, make all this money and do all this. And it, no, this is kind of where I'm at now. But I had my struggles and sacrifices and the things I had to do to get to this point. So I can really relate to that. I feel like it's significant that we're meeting and talking
1: today or just at the time that we're talking because we have recently moved to three acres, 25 sounds lovely, but where we wanted to be, I don't think that was within budget, but all that to say. It feels weird to say, yes, I live in more square footage now. And yes, I live on this land. But at the same time, we did go without for so long when we were married. And we made some good investments back when we were 22, 23 years old that have paid off now. And it's kind of the same as you. It's like, oh, people have these assumptions of, However much we're making, I can guarantee you it's probably not accurate. It's really just been saving, frugality, giving things up during those first maybe like five to eight years of marriage to where now we can kind of reap some of those benefits. But we still do have to budget. And that's where I'm excited to talk to you today about intentionality and budgeting. And you say that managing your money is all about intentionality and simplicity. And just like you declutter a room, you declutter your finances. So I can't wait to just expand on that thought. But one thing that I want to ask you, which you say that you hear often, is how do you create a budget you can actually stick to without giving up all the things that you love? So let's start there. That is something that I've been thinking through as we are going to have to pull in the reins a little bit more. So where do we start?
0: So with budgeting, I think people want to like rush and create a budget. And I would guess most people listening have at least attempted budgeting before and a lot of people are like, oh, I tried it, it doesn't work for me, you know, throw in the towel and give up. And I think the first step even before you create your budget is doing a money audit, which still relates back to even if you audited like a room before you were going to declutter is you need to know where all your money is today. Where are you spending? How much debt do you have? How much do you have in savings? Because especially in today's, day where like inflation and things, you might think you spend $200 a week on groceries. And if that's what you're budgeting, but you're really spending three or 400, you're never going to stick to your budget. And you're going to get really frustrated. Or maybe someone on social media is telling you this is what you should spend, but you're not maybe your family size is different, or you live in a high cost of living area. So there's so many factors that go into our spending. So first we need to do a complete audit of our finances. I always tell anyone I work with like it's truly the worst step because it's the most time consuming, but it is so important. So first do your money audit and then second, start really reflecting and just like journaling, writing down what are the things that you truly value. And I know that's like a hard concept for a lot of people, but is it family time? Is it flexibility in your schedule? Is it more time with your kids? Is it trips, whatever it is, maybe your top one to three things. Those are the things you focus on and it should be in your budget or at least in like a sinking fund, meaning a savings for a specific goal. So maybe you can't just pay for a vacation with your family in one month, maybe you have to save for six months, but you're still making progress on the things you value. And then if there's things you truly don't care about, I mean, this is a podcast, you can't see but like, I don't care about like, my clothes, I don't have designer things. It's just not a priority for me. So I don't spend any money on that. I get my hair cut once a year, my husband cuts his own hair, he cuts our kids hair, like, we just don't care. But we spend a lot on season football tickets and experiences and trips, but we spend very little on home decor, clothes, anything like that. So pretty much we'll try to spend more on the things that you really care about and then just like aggressively cut or reduce the things you don't.
1: I'm all about writing things down. I'm a visual processor. It's very helpful to me, but I think even for people that wouldn't relate, how important that step is. Again, putting it on paper versus just having this concept in your brain, you can really see where your money is going. And then you can see, oh yeah, maybe I'm subscribed to way too many streaming services. And I want to cut a couple of those out, which again, all of that stuff does add up. I was talking to my sister about this the other day about she loves to get a donut and coffee regularly. And I was like, Michelle, if you cut that out, over time, that will add up throughout the year. It may not be a lot, but hey, maybe that pays for this bill or maybe it pays for this. I think just re-strategizing is so important when it comes to your budget.
0: Another thing with cutting things is I think people also believe if you cut something, it's a permanent decision. And Mm. depending on where you are with your money goals or debt payoff or whatever, just because you cut something doesn't mean that's forever. Maybe you cut it for six months because you have like a big goal you're trying to reach and then you add it back in. Or maybe if say you like to get your nails done, let's say that's something that you love. It's you know time away, something for yourself. Maybe instead of doing it every month, you do it every three months. You kind of just space it out. And then what you were spending every month, now you have room to allocate that to debt or savings or investing or something else. So just because you cut something doesn't mean you can't revisit it. Nothing is permanent. I always say People will come to me and say like my budget is restricting or I feel so restrictive and I'm like the truth is you did that to yourself because you're Mm -hmm. the one that created your budget. So if your budget is super restrictive, the best part is you're able to change that because you created your budget. So if something isn't working, instead of just giving up on the concept of budgeting, you have the ability to adjust and change and you know adapt it to your season of life. I mean me before kids versus even me with one kid and now me with two kids, my budget has changed so much Mm -hmm. and my priorities have changed. You can make those changes even within a year. Don't panic just because you're cutting something doesn't mean it's like some permanent decision that you should lose sleep over. It's just giving you more room to allocate money to the things that you're currently value and currently prioritizing.
1: Yes, absolutely. So you say your challenge to listeners is to take one month and track their expenses. I feel like right now is maybe not the best time of year to be doing that because we're getting ready to go into the holiday season. And then I feel like people are always really frugal in January. So I feel like maybe the best time to do this would be February or March, but what is your thought on that?
0: Yeah. So I agree. I always tell people like never use like a December or something just because of the holidays Mm -hmm. and choose an average month. So Even if you go back to, like, say August is a normal month for you or an average month, like, you can go back and pull all of your data from August if you want to get started today or September. I always say if you have like a full month of data, it's easier to go back than like wait, because then you're kind of delaying your budget for a month. So pick an average month. I don't recommend going like a year back just because prices and things have changed. But let's say like August, September, even October, were like more average for you. Go through that just to get your budget set. And then you can, of course, adjust things like as you go. One thing I always have in like my program, I have a year overview tracker. So pretty much you're mapping out your year, at least for the big things, because a lot of people will feel like, oh, you know, there's five birthdays in March and anniversary, the kids have a trip, you have so much. So if you have time to prepare, instead of getting to March and being like, oh my gosh, it's a $1,000 of stuff, we have gifts, we have school fees due, we have what annual mm-hmm. things now you have time to prepare. So you can break that up over the four months till you get to that month. So the more prepared you can be for bigger expenses, obviously the better, but you could definitely wait if you want. But if you're like, I'm ready to get started today, then I would go back a few months and choose like an average month and just do it for that.
1: My next question is something that I do think a lot of couples face, and that's financial inequality. And you said, well, I'll let you share your own story. But how was it that you guys paid off six (laughs) figures of debt while still saving, still living your day-to-day life? Tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah. So when my husband and I started dating, I was like the weirdo who on like our third or fourth date was like asking about finances. (laughs) But it was because I was like kind of deep in my own journey of paying off debt. And I just wanted to make sure we could get on the same page. For me, it wasn't necessarily how much debt he had, it was like, could we come together and just manage money together? Because I truly believe that you can pay off pretty much any amount of debt, no amount of debt necessarily scares me when I work with people. But if you guys are mm-hmm. like totally opposite on your goals, for example, if he was like, I'll never pay off debt, I just want to pay minimums forever, or I just want to buy everything, I'd don't care, then that is a harder thing to overcome than like an amount of debt. So he thought he had around 100000 when we were dating. We got engaged and started to like really try to talk about combining finances. Turns out it was one hundred fifty four because like things increased if you're paying mm-hmm. minimums and if you're on certain plans with student loans. It was hard at first. I mean, I kind of gave myself a few days to like be upset. And then at the end of the day, I'm very, if you couldn't tell, very type A. And it was kind of the moment of either we figure out a way to pay this off or we just sit and sulk, but like no one's going to save us from it or pay it off for us. So Mm
1: -hmm. for me,
0: we went back and had the conversation of like, what are the few things that I care about? And what are the few things that he cares about to make sure they're still in our budget and just checking in? We tried like the formal weekly budget meeting, but it just Mm -hmm. like does not work for us. I came to my husband with like a binder and he was like, Mm -hmm. no, like, no, no, Mm -hmm. you're not. (laughs) So we just try to keep money very conversational conversational, just like you would say, how's your day? That's how we talk about money. What expenses do you have coming up that I need a budget for? Here's our progress on savings goals when we were paying off debt, here's where we're at and just kind of talk about it. And remembering that How I manage money as an individual isn't necessarily how your partner manages money. So you have to kind of find something that works for you. I pay our bills and manage it on a day to day basis and then update him. That's kind of what works for us. But it was being intentional with our money back to what we talked about at the beginning. If we weren't intentional, there was no way we could have done what we did with debt payoff and saving. Like I checked in all the time. I had weekly check ins. I budgeted every week. I was very intentional, knew pretty much where every dollar of our money was going. Mm -hmm. Every week I made a debt payment. I didn't leave anything sitting there unallocated in our account or else I would have spent it on something. Mm -hmm. So it really goes back to that whole concept of being intentional with your finances. If
1: you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as Lime Margarita and Grapefruit Paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at TakeArecess.com minimalist. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tecovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and point your toes west. As a busy mom, I don't necessarily have time to write down an entire exercise program. And then if things get in the way, because oftentimes life gets hectic, it means I can't work out. However, my friend Eric Quorum, back on episode 286 and his friends at AIM 7 have just released personalized resistant training programs that adapt to your exercise equipment, time demands, and fitness level. So let's say you can't make it to the gym today and you have zero equipment at home. AIM 7 will adapt your program and build a personalized workout just for you in a few clicks. These programs were designed by AIM 7's team of world-class sports scientists and physiologists, and they are tailored to your body and its unique needs. So whether your focus is toning up, gaining strength, or longevity, their data-driven and flexible solution will work for you. And for a limited time, you can try AIM7 for free for seven days and then pay just a dollar for your first month by using the code AIM 7 all caps, on their website. Please use the link in the show notes as this special code only works on their site. I've known people with all sorts of stories when it comes to debt, paying off debt. And I remember there was gosh, this was like 15 years ago, but I knew someone and he ended up just getting multiple jobs during their season of engagement to get the debt paid down. He sold so many of his household items. And again, like you might not make a great return on that, but I think the weight of debt, gosh, it is such a big elephant on our backs that it's just... It's something that I think needs addressed mostly because it causes tension in our relationships with our spouses. It causes us a lot of cortisol because we're like, how are we going to pay this off? So for you, what did you guys go without during that time? Did you guys have extra jobs? How did you get, I mean, six figures is quite a bit of money to pay off in that short amount of time.
0: Yeah, so I did some side hustles. I like walk dogs. I tutored like a middle school student. I did try to sell some things for me it ended up I didn't have anything that was worth that much that it was worth the <laughs> yeah. effort of selling like I don't have very expensive things <laughs> in general. Where we lived, like I said, before we lived in a two bed, one bedroom house with I think is like cutting your biggest expenses is the quickest way to reach any kind of goal. So living the way we did like in the house we did saved us so much money that we could Put to debt. And a lot of people not saying you can just up and move. That's not an easy decision. But if you Mm -hmm. do have like significant amounts and that cutting your big expenses, for example, if you have two or three brand new cars and each payment is $900, I mean, not saying that you should sell your car, but it might be something you look into to go down to one vehicle or but getting a used car just for a season because you know, those are huge Mm -hmm. payments. I cut some of the extra things like I talked about, like I used to get my nails done, I cut that I kind of looked at what are things that I can go without that aren't necessarily like gonna make me feel depressed or depriving Mm -hmm. ourselves. We went on a weekly date night, but we kept it to like our local Mexican restaurant that you know, we both of us could eat for $30. You know, we weren't going to like lavish meals. But I think it's really just getting really clear on what are the two things that you want to keep and then just aggressively cutting the rest. And I think for me really tracking our debt payoff helped a lot. Like I tracked every dollar paid and I could mm-hmm. see it move. And I think when you have a lot of debt, you have to break it down because you're like $100 isn't going to make a difference. You know, you're like, if I have this much debt, why would I even try to pay $50 or 100? But it does add up. And for us, we weren't going to just have like $20,000 to make in a week, you know, make a payment. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. had these smaller payments. So making them every single week and being consistent. If we had any extra money, we put it mm-hmm. to debt. We used some of the money we got like as gifts from our wedding went mm-hmm. to debt. Like I had our anything we got as birthday, Christmas <laughs> things mm-hmm. went to debt. So, it's getting creative and just knowing it's for a season and not necessarily focusing so much on your debt-free date because I think a lot of people get really focused on the date they're going to become debt free or the date they pay off debt and they fixate on that. And when life happens, which it does, and maybe it gets delayed a month or two months, you feel like a failure or you're like, oh my God, really? And it doesn't matter. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. even tell you what date I paid off each debt. Like I'd have to go into a spreadsheet and <laughs> find it for you because I don't know. So I think just creating a plan that is flexible, one you can stick to, one that when life throws you some curveballs, you don't throw in the towel and you just kind of like push through and know how to adjust. That's way more important than fixating on like, I have to be debt-free in a year or two years or six months exactly, or I failed. At the end of the day, if it gets paid off, that's the goal.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking of some of the random things we've done in our marriage and we are very unique Individuals and some of the things that we did. We were so cheap at one point. We went to Destin with some friends. We weren't even old enough to rent a car. I think you had to be 25, and we were like 23, 24. We bartered a ride to the airport. Long story short, they ended up leaving early. They took the rental car back. So we were like, we don't want to pay $90 to go to the airport. But we have this blanket and this shovel and this umbrella that the couple had bought and left to us. So we bartered it for a ride to the airport because we were so cheap. This sweet old lady had come and picked us up. But I'm thinking back again, most of my listeners have a child or two. They're not in the engagement Part of their life, or even newly married. I wouldn't say as a generalization, but I know my husband, he rented an apartment in his late teens, early 20s, where it was not in a great area of town, but it was three bedrooms. And he had two roommates with him that paid more than what the apartment was worth. So he just kind of banked some of that money. And we had a roommate for a short period of time when we got married. So Again, I don't know what it takes. Fill in the blank of what it looks like for you. But I think, again, it isn't forever. If you just tell yourself, this is a season of life that my life might not be as great, but I'm going to push through it so I can get to that other side, that freedom. It's worth doing some of the things. They may appear unconventional, but it's worth that freedom on the other side. Yeah.
0: I've had people I work with too where I'm like, you just have to unfollow or mute people on social media or you know, I'm at the point where- I do compare myself to others in some areas, but like I'm not jealous if someone gets a new car, or I'm not jealous if someone like has nice clothes Mm because I know that's not what I value, and I'm very Mm -hmm. confident in the things that like are important to me. And I Mm -hmm. don't care. Like my car is 10 years old, and it was what I bought right after college, and Mm -hmm. we have no car payments, which obviously helps a lot. And there's certain things that we have that we're we're okay. I mean, we do need a new car soon because we have two car seats and a lot of stuff with kids now, but we've been delaying it. It would have been so easy to just been like, we need a car purchase. Like we've been discussing getting Mm -hmm. a car now for two years and we're like Mm -hmm. so intentional about finding what we need and we're okay with waiting. And I think Mm -hmm. being patient with certain things instead of impulsively purchasing, or maybe that big trip you want to take, you delay it one more year. Mm -hmm. And it's not saying you don't go on it. It's just saying Mm -hmm. you just extend it out and be patient. We have so many home repairs we want to do. We had to get like our floors leveled and it was like $9,000. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, oh, you can finance it. And I was like, I don't finance. And he was like, everyone finances. And I said, I'm not everyone. <laughs> if we can't pay for it, we're going to delay it. Unless, of course, it's like an urgent life thing. Sure. But for the things that aren't like our house isn't going to fall apart and our kids are mm-hmm. fine we're going to delay it. And yeah, it's annoying, but we know that that's the best approach for us and like reaching our goals. So it takes a lot of patience and just pushing through even on the days where you're like, this is terrible. (laughs) Maybe your friends or coworkers or neighbors are out doing things, but you don't know their situation in life. And I think trying your best to put kind of like guardrails and just boundaries in, whether you're trying to pay off debt, save, whatever you're trying to do is like so important to just like, focus on yourself which is really hard it's easier said than done but it helps a lot when you are confident in like your own journey
1: i think the clothing thing i do love clothes i've made that clear on the show but I had this realization the other day. I was going through, I would say I'm not fully minimalist in the clothing realm. It's that, books, and skincare. Those are my three that I just have probably a little bit more than I should. However, I was looking at my clothes and I'm like, yeah, I actually, I'm probably good for many, many years. I mean, I don't need to follow the trends. I am a 35-year-old woman that is doing my thing. None of my friends like me because of what I wear. I just need to stay in my lane and I haven't followed trends in years. I've just kind of always stayed like classic style and that way it always kind of feels stylish. But the accumulation of things, even one in one out, it's like you don't really need to do that anymore. Like who are you trying to keep up with? Again, my identity doesn't lie in what I wear. My friends don't like me for that reason.
0: Yeah. And I think with debt too it's so important to remember like your debt does not define you as a person and mm-hmm. there's a whole debt mindset thing that to work through in general and it i don't know anyone's situation of why you got in debt if it was student loans that's a whole other story most people didn't even know what they were signing at 17 18 years old or the fact that like interest accrues potentially when you're in college and all the other things mm-hmm. or maybe if you have credit card debt Maybe at the time, that's all you knew. Like other people were doing it and you're in a bad place. And I think a lot of people stay in the hole because they feel so embarrassed and feel so ashamed. And they just feel like there's just no way out. And I've worked with so many people who come to me like, I didn't reach out because I was so embarrassed. Or I just feel like so guilty of like, why did I spend that? Why did I do that? Like, that was so dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't have bought that thing. And You can sit and reflect on things so you don't do it again, but you have to like pick yourself up. You don't have to stay in that hole. Like Mm -hmm. today is the day that you can decide like enough's enough. I'm going to take action to get myself out of that hole Mm -hmm. and pay off debt, like really check my numbers, even though it's terrifying. I know that first step for a lot of people is terrifying, just like checking your accounts or like checking your credit card statement because you know it's bad and you're like, I'd Mm -hmm. rather just like not know, Mm
1: -hmm. but there's
0: so much power in knowing So that you can create a plan because until you know, back to what we were talking about earlier, your numbers, until you know your numbers, it's going to be really, really hard to get a good handle on your finances and really hard to create a realistic budget. And you're going to be stuck in this paycheck to paycheck cycle or this kind of debt cycle until you can like stop it by knowing where you're at and then making changes. You and I seem to be uh,
1: similar pages when it comes to the clothing thing. But thinking back, sorry not to disregard what you just said because I think what you just said was important. But also I'm thinking about the mom that's like, okay, yeah, I'm in the same place as you guys. I agree with you, Diane and Allie. However, my kids, when they go to school, when they're not dressed a certain way or they feel the pressure and then they put that on me and then I feel guilty that I'm not keeping them in whatever the latest fashion is or just, I hear that. I hear the frustration or the just not knowing what to do. I don't have older kids yet and I homeschool my oldest, so we're not really at that Point yet. Do you have any advice?
0: Yeah, no. I mean, my kids are little too, but it's funny, my oldest just turned three and I was like, What do you want for your birthday? And he was like, A balloon. And I was like, perfect, Dollar Tree balloon. Like that's what you get. And I think one, if you do have older kids, 10 plus, I think involving them in your finances, obviously not to like the day to day, but just having them understand, like, I mean, I plan on having my kids like budget with me, not to like worry them, but to show them. I mean, my parents never did that. I had no idea what a budget was. I think showing them creating sinking funds for your kids, like I have savings for my kids and then explaining, hey, like each season, maybe they get like one new thing and then shopping at like thrift stores or consignment stores that have those brands that are cheaper or even going like TJ Maxx or Marshalls where you can still get like brands that are popular for girls because I only have boys. But if you got like branded clothes, but it's not necessarily the latest from like this month, I think just getting really creative. Or if any of your friends have kids who are a little older, like I have a friend, her son is a year older than mine. So when he grows out of things, she'll just give it to me. So I think getting creative and maybe setting a rule within your family that like each season they get one new thing or and they get to go pick it out and like you make it like a big fun trip that they get excited for or if you do have family or friends that buy things for their birthday or Christmas like be specific about what you want don't just ask for more toys I mean like I said I have a three-year-old and the amount of stuff that he gets for his birthday is wild and this year and even before I have been sending links to his 529 account <laughs> or at asking for money. And I don't feel bad about it, because it's my kid. And if they don't want to do that, that's their own thing. But like, I have people contribute to his 529. And I will put money in a savings account. Or mm-hmm. I ask for things like he likes certain snacks. So like this time, I had my sister buy him the snacks he likes, because if not, I'm buying them. He loved it. I mean, he got snacks for his birthday, and you would have thought he got and like I said, he's mm-hmm. little, so it's different. But I think being really intentional with birthdays and Christmas and involving your kids in your finances like, hey, we're going to save for this. This is how we save. Let them color in a chart. See the progress for saving if they need like something that's really expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad thing to let your children know what money is and what budgeting is and what savings is. Obviously, you don't want your kids to have to worry about money. I mean, no parent does, but I think mm-hmm. you don't have to make them naive that like money grows on trees and they can just like get everything. And mm-hmm. If there's things that they're Friends have that they don't maybe you say, Oh, we can save for that. Like, let's do that together. Or, Oh, like next Christmas, you can get it. It's not similar to with your personal finances. It's not a no forever. It's just, Hey, we can't do that this week, but we'll create a plan so that we can, or we'll find something similar. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think, again, I'm just trying to figure out what exactly I'm going to do because I don't want to fall to that pressure. I'm sure I'm going to put my daughter in school at some point. So these will be conversations that I have, but I do remember she was four or five and she really wanted, we were at Target and we very rarely would ever go down the toy aisles. We would maybe do it and add it to her Christmas wish list. I would put a picture of it in the note app on my phone. It was for her birthday. And so one of the things she really wanted was, I think it was Bo Peep of Toy Story. Toy Story was really popular at the time. And I was looking at the price. And I was like, hold on one second. So I went on Facebook Marketplace. I found the exact same one for $20 cheaper. And I was like, okay, this is gonna come in a few days. It's the same one. And it did come, same exact one, but I saved myself money. So I think you could probably do that. I'll even do that on Poshmark. I'll see something from free people and then I'll go over to Poshmark and be like, like, I'll type in the exact same thing and then just put an alert on it. So when it comes up oh, I can get that thing at a much cheaper rate. So I think that those are just like little tips and tricks where you, again, you don't have to say no completely, but you might just find a thriftier way to do it. And then also it's okay to tell your kids no, that's okay. And you're the adult and you keep control of the things that come into your house for the most part. Again, give them that freedom, but like you can say no.
0: Totally. Even with, like I said, I only have little kids, but for his birthday, his birthday is October. And I have in our closet gifts that I didn't like want to like give him that I will give him for Christmas mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Yep. because like, I don't need all of it at the same time. So I'll space it out. Like if he doesn't need that much right now. So I have like closet of things I haven't bought, things people have bought him that I mm-hmm. will now give him. I mean, I have things from last Christmas that I saved and I'll give this Christmas. So there's ways to you can, like you said, get creative and Facebook marketplace is great. I know some people do similar to what you said, like take a picture of something and save it and like say, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, we'll save this for later. And a lot of times kids either change their mind or forget or I know, like I said, I only have little kids, but I know. My three year old would probably forget about 95% of the things that oh, yeah. he saw. Even he was at school. And he goes to preschool and he came home yesterday. One of his friends had T-Rex rain boots or something. And he's like, I want, you know, dinosaur boots. And I'm like, Okay, you know, we'll look into it. And then he hasn't, we'll see if he brings it up again. <laughs> you know, and and if he, he does need rain boots and when he needs the next size or whatever, we can look at that. He doesn't need them right now. But yeah, I think just being really intentional and with even your children is super important. Like you said, you can say no, but if there's things that they truly want, then you just create a plan to either save for them or find it another way.
1: Yes, that's great advice. I want you to maybe give listeners one challenge or takeaway that they could implement this week.
0: Yeah. So the biggest thing that we've kind of already touched on if they were going to implement is even if you don't do a full money audit is Just check something. I'm going to challenge you to either log into your credit card or log into your bank account or write down how much you have in savings, or if you have a retirement account, and you haven't checked it in five years or whatever, because you just leave it, like log in and just see where you're at, just start to try to get your complete money picture together so that you start to feel more confident. Because maybe it isn't as bad as you thought. I mean, maybe it is that happens sometimes with debt. But maybe you think it's a lot worse than it is, or you think your spending is so bad, because we let ourselves like get in our head. And especially when we're talking about debt payoff, it's until we know those numbers. That's what I'm going to challenge you so at least know your starting point and then if you want to take it one step further is to start kind of brainstorming what you truly value writing and all of this needs to be like written down like we talked about either in a spreadsheet or a pen and paper or a document something because If it lives up here, you will, in your head, you'll definitely not remember any of it. And then pick one goal, like even for the next three months, what is one thing you really want to focus on with your finances? Like I know it's sometimes, and I do it too, but you want to focus on like eight things. You're like, I need this and this and this and this and this. And then you're like, how do I start? Because you get so paralyzed. So focus on, pick one thing that you want to focus on, like one credit card to get paid or just starting your emergency fund, like one specific money goal. And- Go all in on that.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I say this as a reminder all the time, but I want to leave people with this thought not that I'm the expert here. That's why I have you here. I really liked how you said you shouldn't be ashamed of the debt that you're in or the choices that you've made financially. I think the same thing goes for the clutter that we have in our home. As we're going through each room and we say, wow, I really spent my money on this, the choice has already been made. You already made that decision. And now what are you going to do moving forward? Because time is going to pass. And are you going to stay stuck? Are you going to stay with the weight of clutter? Are you going to stay with the burden of debt? No, you can choose today to make a decision to move through it, move through the things, move through the debt, make sacrifices. You are capable and never let shame hold you back. It's not worth it. And that's my encouragement to people. Yay, love it. Well, Allie, where can listeners find you and connect with you online if they want to do so?
0: Yeah. So my Instagram is financially focused. I am on Instagram probably too much. That's what my phone tells me when you get like the hours you spend on your phone. (laughs) It's like you're on Instagram a lot. So definitely send me a message. Let me know what you took away from the episode. If you have any questions, Um, I have a completely free foundations course. If you're like, I want to get started. I'm not really sure what to do. So I have a free course takes an hour to get through, but it's broken up to like two, three minute videos. Cause I know attention span, no one's focusing on that. And then I just have my website has everything. I have blog posts cause I started as a blog. I have all my free resources. There's plenty. And then the ways to work with me are also on my website. So definitely check it out.
1: Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what has been a beneficial resource in your life that you want to share with the listeners?
0: Well, I don't want to be cliche. I was going to say this podcast because I feel like podcasts for me with kids have just like changed my life with getting information. So whether it's this podcast or any podcast, I feel like I made a lot of excuses of like, I don't have time to read and I don't have time, which I don't, to listen to the news. So podcasts for me have been like the biggest game changer. Like go, I like binge podcasts. So like, I'll just listen to like 10 episodes, like I'll have AirPods in, go all in. So obviously you listen to podcasts if you're listening to this, but find a fun one, find different genres to keep you entertained in like different areas of your life, different seasons, crime, whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) business, learning, whatever, and... I feel like for me, podcasts have truly been the biggest resource in my children
1: life. Yeah. Yes. I feel like we're kindred spirits. I am obsessed with podcasts and I do the same. I'm constantly listening to one, which I know I am trying really hard to get better about just going on silent walks and keeping the space for just my thoughts in my head. But it is very hard. I love podcasts. Me too. My last question for you is what Thanks. is something you can't stop talking about?
0: Money in college football. I'm like diehard South Carolina Gamecock fan. We have season tickets. I could tell you about like every recruit that we have coming in, our stats. Like I can talk college football forever. My husband, whenever we're like out, especially as a female, people underestimate my college football knowledge. And so like some guy will try to say something and then my husband's like, oh, geez, don't get her started. And then I can just like ramble about college football <laughs> forever. So I'd say college football, specifically South Carolina Gamecocks and finances. I could talk pretty much anything money
1: Okay, that's where we're not kindred spirits because I am fairly certain I've never watched one football game in its entirety. I've never seen an entire football game. (laughs) Kind of nuts, especially being a Buckeye. I went to Ohio State, so it's pretty like sacrilegious, I think.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. My youngest has been going since he's two months. Like they've been both going their whole existence. Like I went 39 weeks pregnant. It's our thing. Every Saturday, they just know the routine.
1: (laughs) Well, they don't call it America's pastime for no reason. I definitely can see it bonds families and friends. I'm so glad that we have football. It's just not a huge interest
0: of mine. So. Totally.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And you gave me so much to think about. You gave listeners so much to think about today. So I appreciate you joining me.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. This
1: was a lot of fun. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation.